0: Two
1: Swing a Deep left.
0: Way back. Hey everybody, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer, another Baseball America Playoff podcast. Baseball America World Series podcast, I should say, as we begin the World Series tonight. Excited to see it. Uh, and we have Rays versus Dodgers. Whoever wins this is going to be winning their first World Series title of the 21st century, in the case of Tampa Bay Rays, the first World Series title ever. So we're going to have a a very significant World Series champion, no matter who it is, does offer the reminder again uh, that just how hard it is to win a World Series. Uh, If you look through the 21st century, there are very few teams who have more than one. And the fact that the Dodgers that we're talking about have zero in the 21st century is very notable because they're one of the gold standards of what you look for in a baseball team. They're consistently in it every year. They haven't won one. The Rays have been a team that has figured it out how to do it on low revenue for year after year. They haven't won it. It's hard to do it. One of these two is going to do it. And what we're going to talk about today, Kyle, is, is kind of what we think going into it. And to kind of start with that, like to look at the big picture, we just came through two, very thrilling LCSs and two very thrilling league championship series that challenged both of these teams to the utmost degree. The Dodgers had to come from behind. The Rays had to hold on after almost blowing a 3-0 lead in in their series. We'll start with the Rays there. We're going to do this as a preview podcast. Kyle, what stands out to you? Uh, What do the Rays have to do here if they're gonna get their first World Series title.
1: First and foremost, I just want to say I'm very, very excited for this World Series. Best team in the American League, best team in the National League, two teams a lot of people thought would be here, two very talented teams who do it differently. I'm very, very excited for this one. The biggest things for the race, first and foremost, someone else has to hit outside of Randy or Rosarana. Rosarana hit 321 with four homers in the ALCS. The entire rest of the Rays combined hit 183 with seven home runs. They're going to have to have someone else step up, especially to keep up with this Dodgers offense. Brandon Lau and Austin Meadows really, really struggled and did not look good in the LCS. You know, G-Man Choi had some big hits. He hit well. Manuel Margot had three homers. But they need some of their core guys to really step up. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things and probably the biggest thing. Uh, We're going to talk about some other keys, but really this is it the Rays are going to have to have other players step up or else the Dodgers are going to be able to do what the Astros should have done and just pitched around Randy or Rosa And And
0: that's the thing to me is, is that when I look at this series, big picture, the Rays can win this. I don't want to make anything sound like they can't. At the same time, I really did view that Braves Dodgers series as one that was probably 55% Dodgers, 45% Braves chances of winning, which ended up being kind of like that. I went to game seven, and it was a close game seven. There were very small margins there. And the reason I thought that was is because the the Braves had a lineup that could match the Dodgers home run for home run, beginning for beginning. I don't know. I think the Dodgers are a pretty strong favorite in this World Series. And just what you said, I just don't know if the Rays can score enough runs Yes, they have great pitching. They're going to they have great defense. They position well. They're athletic. All those things. But when I look at this this Rays team, they four runs is a big game for them right now in the postseason. They have scored more than four runs, three sorry, four times in the postseason. And since I mean they they had that eight run game against the Blue Jays thanks to a G Man Choi home run. They had a couple of big games early, but as you mentioned, with Brandon Lau's struggle, with Austin Meadows' struggles, with Mike Brosseau had the big hit, but then he didn't have much of a, uh, 10 at-bats, but didn't have much of a, an LCS. It's like two runs, two runs, four runs, three runs, three runs. Four. You can win that way. But you're facing a Dodgers team where you can turn around and by the time, from the time Mookie Betts starts it to the time that Cody Bellinger or someone else finishes it, they could have a three, four run inning and that may be what the Rays are trying to scrape out in a game.
1: Again, there's talented players here. You look at Austin Meadows. You look at Brandon Lau. You look at Willie Adams, who you can say, "Hey, I can see them getting hot," but they have to do it. They really have to have that happen to be able to compete with the Dodgers. So that's first and foremost. The second thing is they need to get some length from their starters, which is a little bit problematic because it's kind of the antithesis of what they do. Look, the stable is starting to slow down. We're starting to see the wear and tear on these relievers. Diego Castillo really struggled his final two outings, the ALCS. He walked a pair in his first one, second one gave up three hits and a couple runs. Nick Anderson has allowed a run in it. each of his last four outings. He's to up five run runs in seven innings total over that stretch. He's got an ERA over six. He's been scuffling. Pete Fairbanks is the only guy in their A bullpen right now who's actually really pitching well. So because of that, they're going to need to get six from Tyler Glass now, six from Charlie Morton, six from Blake Snell, because they don't really have the pieces right now with just how much this bullpen has been worked to really consistently cover four innings a game, five innings, if something goes wrong. And this kind of goes back to, so I wrote after game six that Kevin Cash had made a mistake pulling Blake Snell when he did. Then the next day he pulled Charlie Morton early, early as well. A lot of people on social media were talking about it, but I didn't view that one as problematic. And here's why. When he pulled Blake Snell, he was asking for five innings from his relievers when only two of their premium options were available that day. Anderson had given up the walk-off the day before. So we only really had Castillo and Fairbanks available. Trying to get five innings when you only have two of your premium guys available, that's a risk that, that probably isn't going to work out. Whereas Charlie Morton, he'd gone five and two-thirds. They were only asking for three and a third from their bullpen when they had three premium options available. They had Anderson available that day, Fairbanks still available because he didn't pitch in game six, and you had Tyler Glass now available to come out of the bullpen. So trying to cover five innings with only two of your best options is a lot less likely to work than trying to cover three and a third innings with three of your best op- with three grade A options. And oh, by the way, Blake Snow was at the bottom of the Astros lineup when Morton's in the middle of the lineup. So they can't do what they did in game six and expect to win the series. If they do it that they in game seven, they'll be okay. But right now, this bullpen's not in a place where they can consistently give you five innings. They're just tired.
0: That, that said, one thing that'll be very different in the, L- in the World Series compared to the Division Series or the LCS is we do have off days. So basically, you have the two games, then you have an off day, which does give you that, that day to reset, that day to rest. Then you have the three in a row, which gets a little more problematic, but then you have an off day. And then you have the two, I do think that will play a part there. I To kind of agree, you know, and slightly tweak what you're saying, I agree with you at the same time. I think the key part of this is going to be, is there the, the Rays have prided themselves on having a very deep bullpen this year. Is there another guy from that group, from that other group, I should say, who can step up? It's not going to be, I, I was very impressed with what Alvarado did in, you know, in his first outing in the LCS. It's not going to be him. He's not on this. Uh, World Series roster. They they subbed him out for Ryan Sheriff. They added in Brett Phillips as well. But I do think the key for them is going to be, I, I agree with you, I think Diego Castillo and Nick Anderson both, maybe uh, maybe having a few days off to rest and recover helps them get back to more of their regular season form. But they're not looking at, at their 100% best. But can they find is there another reliever you know is there another guy in this pen because they have a lot of kind of semi-useful guys is there another guy who can step forward I don't I I I kind of would say to myself I don't see that guy who clearly is that guy maybe it's yeah maybe it's a Ryan Thompson just because of the weird look or I I don't know they didn't use him a ton in that last series though like But, yeah, I think that they're going to have – when you say length, are you talking five to six or are you talking more than that? Because I don't think at this point with this Dodgers lineup, it's hard to go – it's hard to get more than 18 outs against this group.
1: What I mean by it is if Blake Snell has a shutout through four innings, you can't pull him. Now, again, expecting seven or eight from these guys, if they can give it to you, awesome. I don't think you expect that against this lineup. But they really need to get five or six and try and say the bullpen, hey – Let's get nine outs. Look, Aaron Sleeger's pitched okay. Ryan Thompson pitched okay. John Curtis pitched okay. These guys are okay. They can give you, you know, three outs here and there. It's just when you're trying to build 15 outs right now without the best from your premium guys, it's tough to do that. So that, that to me, and by the way, this can all be a moot point. If Blake Snell goes out and is more efficient with his pitches, makes it a very easy decision for his manager. Same with Tyler Glass now. So at the end of the day,
0: performance is going to trump strategy. I will point out, if you get 5 out of Blake Snell that's about as much as you can hope because Blake Snell has yet to go 6 innings in a start in 2020. It's it's unlikely. And, and the other thing I would just add with that is I did some look this was LCS numbers not World Series numbers, but one of the things that was very notable, I went back and looked no one at nowadays the world we are in now, anyone anytime a starting pitcher goes past 7 in one of these games It is truly exceptional. We have the Justin Verlander, you know, complete game in the ALCS. That was just a dominating performance against the Yankees several years ago now. But other than that, if we have to kind of, you know, like I'm just for the, if you're listening to this and you say a guy, you know, oh, they're pulling him after seven. If you go seven, that means that you gave length in a uh, World Series or LCS start nowadays, whereas it used to be that seven was, oh, they really must trust the bullpen tonight. That's the world we, you know, now if you go five, it's like, ah, he gave them what you got kind of hope. Six is like, ah, he stretched it. They, they, they managed to get three more outs out of them. And that's where it's gonna be interesting.
1: Right, if Snell, Morton, and Glasnow can give the race six, that's what I'm talking about when I say length. It's when they start pulling these guys after, if, again, with a shutout through four innings, that they're gonna put themselves into trouble. The last thing the Rays can do to enhance their chances here, and we've talked about the offense, how a lot of key guys have not been hitting and they really need someone outside of a Rosarana to step up. One of the ways they can manufacture some offense, maybe put some pressure on the Dodgers. In general, I think we think of analytically inclined teams, they don't steal a lot of bases just because of the risks, not being worth the rewards and and all the factors that go into that. The Rays were actually pretty prolific this year at stealing bases. They were 48 for 57, the sixth most stolen bases in Major League Baseball. It was a success rate of 84%. They ran a lot, and they ran efficiently. The Dodgers are not very good at holding runners. Uh, Even with Will Smith behind the plate, he's got above-average pop times, a good arm. The Dodgers allowed uh, 36 stolen bases in 46 attempts this year. It's the eighth most stolen bases allowed in the majors. Uh, Their 22% caught stealing rate was the 10th worst. You look at guys, uh, you know, I went through and looked and you've got, you know, Julio Urias, Walker Buehler, Dustin May. These guys have not been good at holding runners this year. So if you're the Rays and you're an offense that has struggled to, to score, frankly, more than two, three, four runs a game, and there's only one guy in your lineup that's really consistently mashing right now, maybe two if you give it to g and Choi, I think they can create some havoc on the bases, put some pressure on the Dodgers, make them uncomfortable you know, put runners in scoring position where all of a sudden, you know, you're not relying solely on the long ball because right now you don't have an offense that's really capable of stringing together four or five hits in a row. If they can say, draw a walk, steal second, steal third, or still second, all you need is a hit to get that guy in. I think if the Rays run here, they have an opportunity to take a lot of free bases off the Dodgers. And I think if they do that, they have a chance to help their offense out a little bit maybe enough that extra run or two they can generate from getting a guy in a scoring position when he's otherwise going to be stuck at first base that can make a big difference especially with a defense and pitching staff that can keep games close.
0: Rays have not run a whole lot in the playoffs yet they did not steal a base in the uh, ALCS and overall they are two for three so far in the postseason but that said you, you bring up a good, very good point which is, is it's all about the matchup I mean I wrote about this back with Billy Hamilton was in the minors. It's a math problem in a lot of ways. If you have a guy who's slow to the plate consistently, if a guy's one five, one six to the plate, one seven, just putting a flashing green light go, and you have a fast guy on the back now, and if this is an athletic speedy raised team. You have a multiple guys who absolutely should be able to swipe that base. Take advantage of it. That, that's an interesting point. So that's kind of the, Ray, the keys for the Rays. What about for the Dodgers, who, again, I think we both agree are the favorites coming into this, but what do the Dodgers have to do if they're going to win their first World Series since 1988?
1: The biggest thing is the bullpen has to pitch like it can. Dodgers relievers this year, we've talked so much about all their issues and you know how much there's problems at the end of the game with not maybe having a finishing option. The Dodgers bullpen was the second best in MLB this year at a 2 4 ERA. You compare that to the Rays bullpen, who everyone goes gaga over, and rightfully so. There's a lot of guys there who are great. The Dodgers bullpen was a half run better than the Rays bullpen was this year. And we saw it come out, as we talked about in our LCS recap podcast in games five, six, and seven. Game five, eight innings, one run. Game six, three innings, one run. Game seven, six scoreless, six no-hit innings to finish it off. Obviously, Julio Uris was a big part of that. But we've seen the Dodgers have enough arms to get them through games pretty cleanly. And when guys like Blake Trinan, guys like Jake McGee, guys like Brewster Gratterall and Victor Gonzalez pitch to their potential, and of course, Kenley Jansen, that's actually a pretty good bullpen. There's just been some times in the postseason where Jansen hasn't pitched well and Trinan's run into trouble and things have spiraled quickly. So I think as long as this bullpen pitches like they are capable as they showed they were over the course of the regular season, this Dodgers team is going to be fine. To me, that's the number one thing. If this is the bullpen that shows up in games five, six, and seven of the LCS and was around most of the year,
0: I think the Dodgers have zero problems this series. That's Again, they, and, they have some encouraging signs with that. They they needed their bullpen. They were not going to make it through without their bullpen, and their bullpen did just enough, did enough for them to, to advance. That's that's kind of like the one thing that's interesting about this is, is now we. But when we look at this Dodgers team, okay, we know who's going to go game one and game two, but it, it is we know game, game
1: we know game one and game three. They're going game one and game won. three. I'm sorry,
0: you're right. Game one and game three. Clayton Kershaw's going Game One, and Kershaw will be basically on full rest for that because they did not need to use him. You know, thankfully for for anyone who's a fan of Clayton Kershaw, we don't need to see another Clayton Kershaw game. I I, I would have gotten uh, as someone just who likes great pitching, I would have gotten nervous if Clayton Kershaw didn't come into that Game Seven because I, I I I feel I fear the narratives creeping around the mountain there. Um, So he's going game one. We know Walker Buehler is going game three. Okay. But this is the interesting part. Game two,
1: who? (laughs) So this is my second point. The other biggest thing the Dodgers need to do, and I've been harping on this for a while, don't get fancy. And that starts with Clayton Kershaw. Give him the ball in game one, give him the ball in game five. Don't get fancy and try and create a narrative and put him in the situation where he's coming out of the bullpen. Say game seven rolls around and they've already used Jake McGee. They've already used Victor Gonzalez as a last option. And you need someone to get a lefty, especially if it's the end of an inning and he only has to pitch the end of the inning. Sure. Okay. Bring him in. I'm not saying never, but just don't push it, play it straight. Kershaw start game one, start game five, let him go. Pull him whenever you need to. Um, don't, Don't try and force anything with him. That's the biggest thing. An outgrowth of that, of let's not be fancy and try and, you know, do something crazy you don't have to do here, comes in with this rotation. So they burned both Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin in game seven of the NLCS, which they did not need to do. There is no scenario in which Dustin May coming off of one day's rest when he's not really a reliever. They, they did it in the NLDS, but it's not something he's used to was a better option. The first inning than Tony Gonsolin. Now Gonsolin didn't pitch well. So it was a moot point, but on the whole, yes, just throwing Tony Gonsolin out there was going to be more likely to give you a better result than trying to finesse this with May in the first inning. It was unnecessary. And it had, bur- it, Hurt them both in the short term and the long term because now they burn both of them. Neither of them are going to be really rested for game two. So you kind of are looking at probably something similar where, again, May and Gonsolin tag-teaming it. Hopefully they pitch better, but both of them are going to be on not full rest. They both pitch Sunday. It's going to be a Wednesday game. It's not a great scenario for them. So you hope that they can survive that one. Go to Bueller in game three. Go to Urias in game four keep it as simple as possible given the situation they've put themselves in with their previous decisions. If they do that, they should be up probably three to one in the series by that point. But again, they sometimes need to check their own worst instincts and just play it straight. I think that's the biggest thing with the Dodgers outside of their bullpen performance.
0: I will push back a little bit, which is, is it's a game seven. It did work for them. I know it didn't work out great, but it did. They I, there are, they potentially are privy to things we don't know. It did get them to the World Series, but you're right though that Game Two. the The good news for them on that is is that the May Gonzalez tag team, the, well, really we could say the May, May Gonzalez Urias tag team, none of them threw more than three innings in that game. Urias actually threw the most. The problem is though is, is that, okay, you're going to need one of those to start Game Two or both. You know, like maybe it's the the May Gonsalan combo, and you're going to need someone else to start game four. I would assume that that game four is Julio Urias because he threw the most innings in the game seven, give him the full rest. And by the way, on top of that, he's the most, he's been in the postseason the most effective of these three. So I assume he's game four, which then lets you get back to Kershaw, you know, game five. I, I shrugged shoulders game six Bueller game seven. I, I assume is the way it would kind of map out
1: again. This is where Julio Urias is going to be key. They need to say you're our game four starter. We're not using you in game two, no matter what. Cause if they burn through may Gonsolin and Urias again, all in one game in game two, they're setting themselves up for failure where they don't need to. Hopefully may gives them two in game two. Gonsolin gives them two to three. And then, They can have the bullpen finish out the last four or five. That's what they need to do. The worst thing they could do would be to use all three of these guys in game two. So as long as, again, they don't push it with Kershaw and they don't do something unnecessary with their rotation, they'll be okay. The last thing to me that's another key to the series, just something to watch. So the Rays pitching staff was really, really, really good against left-handed hitters this year, really shut them down. Obviously, the Dodgers have some big left-handed bats. Corey Seager's been on fire. Cody Bellinger had the big home run. But against right-handed hitters, the Rays were actually a lot more pedestrian this year. I was surprised looking it up. They weren't bad, but they weren't great. They were kind of middle of the packish in a lot of ways. So the Dodgers' right-handed bats, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, A.J. Pollock, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, they've got plenty of them. As long as those guys step up and do what they should do against a pitching staff that has not been great against right-handed hitters this year they'll be fine. Again, something else I'm watching for. Now, if, you know, there's an ill-timed slump and these guys all simultaneously struggle, again, the Dodgers are so good and you kind of trust Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger to have some success no matter who they're facing. But just given this is a strong race pitching staff, they do have guys who can overwhelm you, come at you with different angles, land different pitches in the strike zone. It would just be a little bit easier for the Dodgers if they're right-handed hitters who are extraordinarily talented do what they should do, matching up well against a unit that again has not been great they 've been fine, but
0: not great against right handed hitters this year what is i mean I, I kind of that 's where I kind of come back on this I, I just at the end of the day, why I think that the Dodgers, when it comes to pitching staff versus pitching staff, I could absolutely see this as as even. I could even maybe say slight edge raise, especially when you throw in that they have a little bit more clarity on kind of how guys are going to go in this series. But for all that, I just look at these lineups and the thing that I just keep coming back to is the Dodgers, the Dodgers have a guy who I would say is probably the second best player in the game as position player, second best position player in the game in Mookie Betts. I'm still going to put Mike Trout a, a notch above, but Mookie Betts has been consistently one of the best players in the game for, for a pretty good while now. They have Cody Bellinger, who, by the way, you know, when he's on, is one of the best players in baseball. And by the way, also plays a, a, a really good center field. They have Corey Seager, who, by the way, if you said that Corey Seager ends up winning an MVP or two in his career, you go, yeah, that, that seems plausible. They have Justin Turner, who's been one of the better players in the National League for quite a while. And we have, they also have Will Smith who's one of the more productive catchers in baseball. When you talk, catchers don't produce offensively. Will Smith does. You have him. We're not, we haven't talked about the, re, the renaissance of AJ Pollock. We're not to, you just keep going through this. And the thing that stands out to me is, is you're watching the ALCS and you're watching the Rays. The question really revolved around. So with, what inning is the inning that Randy Arozarena is going to come up? And again, it's, the things that as series go from one to another, maybe he stays on fire. Maybe someone else steps up, but you didn't have that, ah, you know, if you're the, if you were pitching staff facing the Rays, you looked at it's like, this is the inning that's going to be really rough for me. When you talk about the Dodgers, there is no inning that's really rough for you because every inning is potentially rough for you. And the depth of that just wears on you. If you're a pitching staff.
1: 100%. And that. Is a big reason why, for me, I'm picking the Dodgers in five. I think Dodgers in six is is plausible. I was going back and forth between five and six. I'm going to go five. How about you?
0: I, I like it in percentages because, again, one game could – I would say if I thought that it was Dodgers 55, Braves 45, I feel like this is Dodgers 65, Braves – I mean, Braves 35. The Rays can absolutely win this series. There's no question about that. Again, it's baseball. If you don't think that, you're, you're, and again, the Rays were the best team in the American League. This is not, I, I feel like I'm almost unintentionally making it sound like they're worse than they are. This was the best team in the American League. I don't think there was a question this year. Yes, it was a shortened season, but they showed that in the regular season. They've shown that in the postseason. But when I just look at these two teams and match them up, as good as the Rays are, I just feel like the Dodgers are better. And I also feel like if this was a seven-game series and they were playing it straight through, I kind of like the Rays a little bit more than that simply because, like you just talked about, the scramble that is getting everything sorted for the Dodgers in this as far as starting pitching and, and all that. But that's going to be a little bit resolved because of the days off and all. It's going to help them get kind of a little bit more on cycle. Altogether, I'm going to go 65% Dodgers, 35% Rays.
1: The way the Rays win this, and they can win this, is starting pitching. Tyler Glass now out pitches Clayton Kershaw on Game One. Very plausible. Game Two, they're going to have the better starter on the mound. They can absolutely win that. You know, Game Three, I, I'm never going to pick against Walker Bueller in a big game, but we can move to Game Four if the Dodgers do something they shouldn't do with Julio Urias, and he pitches in relief in Game Two. All of a sudden, Ryan Yarborough over bullpen day or short rest day, yeah, that's absolutely advantage Rays. So there is a scenario here where the Rays win this, and it's based off their starting pitching and also what the Dodgers do with theirs. At the end of the day, I think the Dodgers are the more talented team. They're the deeper team. I've said it all year. I think they're just a tier above everyone else. And if they do what they should do, I'm picking them to win the World Series. But There's no question. The Rays, with the starting pitching advantage they have, have a path to winning this. And now we just have to see how it all plays out.
0: The the other thing I would add with that, the other thing I can see the Rays doing is the Rays play another series where you go, wow, everyone seemed like that they were in the perfect position at all times. The park plays big. And the fact that the Rays... Defense for the Dodgers also, is outfield defense is exceptional. I mean, you've got Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger you're, and A.J. Pollock. They have the, the, some, the similar thing, which is three guys who are capable of playing center field. But the Rays, three center fielders playing in the outfield alignment, you know, works out for them. And we at the end of this say, wow, the Dodgers really scalded some balls, but it never seemed like it, it paid off for them as much as you expected to. That would be the other thing I could see happening here. That said, I, I do think the Dodgers are going to win it.
1: Either way, I'm really looking forward to this. It's been a, a long, long year with a lot of uh, difficult moments for a lot of people around the game, but I'm glad we're finally here. The World Series, this
0: is what we all look forward to. This is what we all love and should be a good one. It's going to be exciting. And that's you know, kind of wrap it up for us here on the Baseball America Playoff Podcast. For Kyle, I'm JJ. So long, everybody.